Hello and welcome to the Christian Heritage London podcast. It is the first of our, of our new book review series on the Christian Heritage London podcast. And I have the privilege of being able to sit down with my good friend, Dr. Kenneth Brownell. And we're going to be looking at the book, The Air We Breathe by Glenn Scrivener. Ken has studied at Harvard and the University of St. Andrews and was the pastor of East London Tabernacle Baptist Church. And he teaches church history at London Seminary. He also gives the Christian Heritage London tours of the City of London, the Victoria and Albert Museum, and the National Gallery. And the subject of this book is one which goes to the very heart of what we do with Christian Heritage London, which is to talk about how the gospel of Jesus Christ has changed history. Glenn Scrivener in this book looks at how Christianity has affected the entire world. Equality, compassion, consent, enlightenment, science, freedom, and progress. In writing this book, Glenn has not done something new. It's something which good historians have done for a long time because good historians have had to come to terms with the fact that Christianity has been a blessing to the world. It's fascinating that uh, characters like Melvin Bragg, who's a responsible historian, has, without being a committed Christian, come out against Richard Dawkins, who only criticizes Christianity, saying it's just foolish. It's just foolish to say that the world would not have been improved by Christianity. When you look at the the very fact of there are hospitals, universities, schools, the welfare state, the extraordinary blessings of Reformation revivals, right down to minutiae such as uh, district nurses and so on, we see Christianity has its fingerprints all over history. Now, Ken, how did you get on with this book? Oh, I really enjoyed it. I read it over uh, Christmas, New Year, and uh, hardly could put it down. Uh, it was really compelling, um, well-written. Um, and uh, I think one of the things it does, uh, many people are familiar with Tom Holland and his book, Dominion. Uh, he actually commends uh, uh, the book. But in many ways, this is a sort of simplified uh, and systematized version of that. Tom Holland is more of a narrative history. This is more uh, isolates a number of the things that he highlights, but uh, in the, the subjects you just mentioned, those seven uh, areas, um, but just sort of simplifies it and systematizes it so that you, you can get really get your head around it. And it's really well organized, well written, and um, really helpful, I think, both from, as Christians to understand the impact of our faith and our culture, but then to be able to use that in seeking to persuade other people uh, of, of the truth of Christianity and and seeking to bring them to Christ. Mm, mm. So I really found it really good, really yes, great book, and I highly recommend it. Yes, that, that really is the gift of the book, isn't it? Is its accessibility and its, you might say, giveability. Yeah. Because while Dominion is an impressive work, it is not perhaps quite as accessible. No, no. And also not written from the position of uh, conviction yeah. or, or of Christian conviction. Tom Holland still has various uh, points where he, he clearly hasn't quite got it yet. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and uh, and I think Glenn does that all the way through. It hits. Uh, he has really good turns of phrase. So it's really it's, it, that's good. But you know, he, he's driving along in the end to, uh, to at the end of the book. We'll come to that. A really good persuasive uh, appeal in many ways to how to persuade people um, who appreciate where we are, the, the role of Christianity in our culture, but how to to seek them to persuade people 
to commit themselves to Christ, and it's, it's really good. So he, he has an evangelistic uh, motive. In fact, it's a very quite a good book to give to a non-Christian. I think you give it. It's not just for Christians; it's for non-Christians too. Mm, yes, yeah. indeed. That I would say is probably the fact that it's written by an evangelist mm. is what really makes it stand yeah, out yeah, because. Yeah. Uh, many uh, people, Rodney Stark wrote a great book called The Rise of Christianity, mm-hmm. writing just as a as a secular sociologist and asking the question, how did these 12 men change yeah. history? Yeah. And he looked at the data and it was a brilliant book, highly yeah. commendable yeah. book. And it also he, he managed to uh, draw attention to the significance of the authenticity of Christian mm-hmm. uh, witness in the grassroots, yeah. in the local communities, which he sees in the, in the historic data. Yeah. And uh, that's an outstanding text. But Glenn, as an evangelist, he does have that, that, he, he has that wonderful reflex into appeal and into mm. application. Yeah. You, you kind of get the impression that, uh, I, I heard of, of John Piper that apparently uh, he, he said to his assistant that on, uh, on, when he's working on his sermon on a Friday, he will often find that the when he's preparing the word of God for the people, things open up to him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And if he had just been sitting and trying to work out an academic thesis, yeah, yeah. he could imagine him agonizing over it. But it's like the Lord opens his eyes to see. Yeah. <laughs> and you see with Glenn here, he's, he's cutting to application. He's cutting to application almost, uh, you get the impression, almost instinctively as an evangelist but as an unusually well-researched evangelist. That's right. No, I think I mean, it's that. I mean, he's, he's, re- he's done a lot of reading and there's a lot of background there, but it's, he, he wears it lightly. It's not, it's not sort of, it's, it's, uh, it's not a sort of heavy academic tone, but he, you know there's a lot of homework been done to yes. get, get the book written. Yes, indeed. Yeah, mm-hmm. that, that's, yes, I, I enjoyed the, the, the many, frequently referencing uh, Tom Holland, but also, uh, interestingly, drawing attention to the, the Middle Ages, a time which mm. has often been considered to be the Dark Ages, yeah. but he says he refers to them as uh, as being extraordinarily constructive. But yeah. again, in the midst of it all, the constructive force seems to have been uh, Christianity yeah. and the people who believed in the gospel. I, I was fascinated also by early hospitals yeah. having been started by Christians, because of course, in this town, if you fall in the street, uh, nice people will show up in a van and take you to a hospital. And in this town, they're still called Saint Something mm-hmm. because you see the fingerprints of the, of the priories all over the, uh, the, the, the city still. You see the, the fingerprints of the, the, the priories actually on the ancient hospital, St. Bartholomew's, mm-hmm. St. Thomas's, and so on. Yeah. yeah. And I think, I mean, you mentioned the Middle Ages. I mean, one, uh, the uh, chapter on Enlightenment, that's one of the seven areas he, he, he covers, I mean, sort of deals with that. And of course, the, the myth is, is um, you know, the, the Middle Ages, the medieval period was a sort of dark, superstitious, sort of um, violent sort of period. And of course, there was a lot of that um, happening. Uh, but it was a time of, uh, where lots of good things were happening um, um, a, a, as well. And, and it's really f- through that period that Christianity began so s- small in, in Judea, Galilee, uh, spread throughout the world and it continued to spread throughout the, the, the Middle Ages. It wasn't just here in Europe. It was actually going across Silk Roads to China through uh, missionaries uh, from the churches in the East and so on. But here in Europe, it was uh, nurturing, developing, lots of good things happening. And I think uh, uh, Glenn's really good on that. He does has a little strategy he uses in that chapter, um, uh, which you can he applies in other chapters as well. Uh, which I think it's uh, really useful for us. It has a sort of little f- phrase, hang on, what about 
something. In this case, what about the Crusades? That's one of the things that happened obviously in the Middle oh, Ages. Yeah, yeah. A lot of non-Christians throw that back at Christians. You know, Hang and, on, what about that? Yeah. yeah, what about that? And he has this sort of uh, three-point uh, strategy to deal with these sort of hang-on issues that someone might bring to us in a conversation. And they are bust the myth, uh, own what's crooked, insist on the straight line. So you bust the myth, in which case in the Crusades, you can go back, look at some of the history. It's much more complicated than people often mm. often uh, think. Again, bad things were done in the name of Christ. You don't, you don't deny that. But uh, you, bust, you look at the history of it and uh, unpack that. And you can do that with lots of other issues, um, slavery, for example, mm. or empire or mm. uh, whatever the issue might be. Then own what's crooked. Yes, admit that Christians or people in the name of Christ did bad things. Whether you know there were pe- people who owned Christians who owned slaves didn't see that as an issue until you know the abolition movement came along and um, be- be- people began to question that. But they, you know, own what's crooked. Um, and I think as Christians we can be humble in that. We don't have to sort of say we got it always right all the time. And then the third thing is insist on the straight line. And I think that's the thing that Glenn comes back to all the time. There's this straight line from the Bible and the Christian uh, faith that you apply. And even Christians apply that to themselves and see where they have mm. uh, very, uh, deviated from the gospel, yes. uh, but also our culture uh, as well. And mm. there's a sort of self-correcting mechanism within Christianity. Mm. Um, and uh, you don't really have the culture because we do have a uh, – standard of right and wrong that is from God, that's revealed in uh, the Bible, that's from outside our world, that can actually challenge our sins and expose our blind spots and so on. But of course, if you're a naturalist, you don't have that at all. You, you have no basis for right. Uh, for that. You have, don't have that straight line. Yes. But as Christians, we do. So it's really helpful. And he goes yes. through that and then just applies that in the Middle Ages. But you can apply it so many other areas. Yes, it's pretty. So what are those three, three again? Okay. Bust the myths. Uh, so, you know, just show that's often what people think happened didn't yeah. quite happen and that uh, thing he said about the crusades on that was yeah. that's sort of terribly helpful because yeah. he kind of the, the understanding is of course christians have always been evil yeah. whenever you give them a free hand they're just going to start murdering people yeah. hang on it wasn't yeah. like that no. actually yeah and it's a lot it was a lot more happening and again you have to do some some of your homework on that but in the book glenn gives a lot of examples of that not massive detail um you can go to other books tom holland or there are lots of great books. Rodney Stark, you mentioned mm-hmm. other books like that. But um, yeah, do some, you know, read up on it. Uh, so bust the myths, uh, own what's crooked, um, you know, admit where on that particular area where Christians got it wrong. Mm-hmm. Now that's, uh, and that's own what's crooked is so significant because, of course, a Christian isn't going around saying, be moral like me. No. That's the Pharisee. Yeah, yeah. But the Christian says, no, 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 I own what's crooked. It, yeah. Um, yeah. We've just been talking recently about the great hymn Amazing Grace. Mm-hmm. And, of course, the significance of Amazing Grace is people have said this, people lately have come out really hard against John Newton as a former slave trader, as though Christians were saying, no, that's fine. But the very first line of Amazing Grace is, Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound, the saved a wretch. John Newton is the first to say, I was a wretch. I was a wretch. And there's the idea that Christians would be somehow... Uh, absolving him from that. Mm-hmm. No, that's the point. We need grace, yeah. and that's when you, when you say own what's uh, own what's what's the term he uses. Own what own what's crooked. Own what's crooked. Yeah, mm-hmm. we must own what is crooked. That's the point. Yeah. We are in need of a savior. Yeah, and we have great model of that in the Bible. I mean, obviously, the in the Old Testament, uh, but even the New Testament. Someone like Peter, you know, didn't get it all right. Are uh, are feel like our great heroes were always flawed yes. people. But yes. um, if they 
trusted in Christ uh, before he came or after he came. They, they are justified, but they're still sinners. But they're justified in sinners. That was Luther's great insight. And so, yeah, own, um, bust, bust the myths, uh, own what crooked, and insist on the straight line. And, you know, apply that to ourselves first, but to the uh, world as well, and say, well, there's, there's a standard of mm. what God has revealed in his word. Very good. Yes, I, heard, I read an interesting history of the Indian Ocean a few years ago. It was fascinating to see how the, when Wilberforce defeated, well, when, the, when the abolitionists defeated the slave trade, it's fascinating to see how, because the Royal Navy at that time ruled the waves, mm. they then prosecuted British law internationally. Yeah, yeah. And you find uh, outposts like Annabon, which is off the west coast of Africa, which was a uh, made into a, a place from which they would fight, as British people, the slave trade. Yeah, and you, you find that the, the Christian doesn't say, right, I've prayed my prayer, and now I'm fine. There is a sense in which we continually are... What's, what's the term? We made, we've made righteous once for all those who are being saved. And there's a sense in which we are constantly coming back. We are constantly coming back. And, of course, that's why we go to churches, so someone can placard Jesus again this week. Now, the book doesn't just end with, uh, so Christians are right. It mm. ends with, as you say, an evangelistic development. What did you think about that? Life? Yeah, um, I, 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 it, it's, it's great. I think it uh, is it really happens in the last couple uh, chapters. One, chapter nine, a kingdom without a king. I think it's saying basically what the, so many people in the world want is the fruit of the kingdom, the fruit of Christianity without the king, Jesus, who makes it all um, uh, possible. And, um, and uh, yeah, again, Glenn Scrivener goes, looks into, uh, digs into this a, a, a bit. Um, he has this one of these hang-on moments, isn't Christian influence over in the West? And that's a lot of people would say, you know, it's everything becoming very secular, it's a lost cause, you know, uh, and, and so on. Um, but he has some, a couple of great quotes here. It's an example of sort of great turns of phrase. When, Christian, when equality, one of the issues he deals with, when equality is divorced from the Christian story, it risks becoming radical individualism. That's what Amen. we see happening um, uh, today, you know, we believe in equality, but mm. you know, if you divorce it from what made it, it gives it meaning and purpose, and, uh, it just becomes the radical individualism. Everybody doing what they want, and you know, ex their expressive individualism, as the phrase is. Oh, that's brilliant. That's a brilliant observation, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. Equality with, without purpose, and the the purpose yeah. which changed the Roman world, which yeah. was a harsh yeah. world. Yeah. It was equality wasn't just for the sake of equality. There was a, there was this beautiful God enjoying purpose. Yeah. Uh, another one: when compassion is divorced from the Christian story, it risks generating competitive, competitive victimhood. And again, we see that so wow. often. Just everybody wanting to be a victim, uh, and it's competitive. You know, you have a sort of a, a, a victim, victimhood uh, Olympics. Everybody keeps trying to get the. Uh, um, when consent is divorced from the Christian story, it risks reducing sex to something far less than the Christian vision. It detaches a consent, a vital component of sexual relationship, from other values like commitment. And again, we see that when we don't have marriage and the covenant ex that is expressed in marriage, uh, you end up, um, you know, just with, uh, you know, just mere consent and it just becomes a sort of functional mm. sort of uh, thing. Yeah. And yeah, so he, go he goes frankly, on that. Why would, why would that be so profoundly attractive if it was just a leisure activity? How about it was an expression of the love yeah. of one person's oh, heart to another? Well, I suppose the easier, simple answer is sin. <laughs> the people in rebellion against God, it's, you know, and that's the way it's expressed in sex, sexual relationships. But again, it, it manifests itself in all sorts of different ways, depending on circumstances, people, uh, and, and so on. Mm. Um, 
Yeah, and then he just says, you know, the tide is, uh, some people say the tide is certainly out in terms of Christianity's explicit influence in Western culture. But the terrain has been shaped by a sea of faith far deeper and more enduring than our current cultural moment. And as we witness the fear, confusion, and tribalism of our post-Christian age, there are reasons for people within and beyond the church to wish for the tide to turn. And I think people are beginning to realize that as we, as we lose that Christian influence, we, we start to see what takes its place, and it's a lot worse. You know, it's like going back to the pre-Christian period, the, the harshness and mm. so on, yes. the Roman, Roman Empire and other, mm. other um, uh, cultures. And, um, mm. and then, then he goes on, and it's just a very good section on called The Curse of Semi-Christianity. Um, he, he quotes Douglas Murray, who writes quite a lot in the papers and here and has written a number of books, um, that we, we are getting stuck in cycles of Christian theology with no way out. You know, you know that we, you know, we, we have just condemnation mm. without redemption. And mm. I think that's people are increasingly seeing that yes. uh, sort of thing. Um, so Glenn Scrivener says the, uh, the kingdom without the king is not a place of liberation so much as a place of uh, judgment. And, um, and you know, it's, it's only in the gospel we, have, we can find the, the forgiveness and yes. have then have by God's grace ability to forgive others. You know, we, mm. that, we see that and that's the thing you can deal with it. And, and the problem is you end up with a sort of semi-Christianity. You get the worst of it. So he had, yeah. he had a great Spur, Spurgeon quote, uh, be, uh, be a half Christian and you shall have enough religion to make you miserable. So mm. if you just get the law and the, mm. the things Christianity has given and uh, like you know, our concern for justice, for example, but no redemption mm. when you, unjust or anyone else is unjust mm. then you end up just with something very miserable mm. um, yes then scrivener says we have a kind of semi-christianity in the west and it's enough to make us miserable i think that's so often that you often see that happening today uh, yeah so so he sort of uh, sort of till uh, sort of uh, turns over the ground in many ways to show why we desperately need it then goes on to in chapter 10 uh, which is titled choose your miracle in which he um actually uh, to, um uses Jordan Peterson really as an example and you know uh, he's quite popular uh, right now but he you know says Peterson says you know there's two impossible things the Christian story and the impact that it's had and so one's you know the Christian story is so incredible when you look at it mm. and yes and humanly difficult to believe you yes. incarnate God you know, yes. <laughs> redeeming the world through his yes. death and yeah. the gift of the Holy Spirit and, yes. and but also resurrection yeah the impact it's had and you think well how does that you know this this you know it's almost a story that's unbelievable to any natural person and yet it's had such an impact how do you tie those two things together and i yeah. think that's which is the more impossible yeah such yeah. an impact or such a yeah. route yeah and uh and um yeah we we have to make that choose our miracle it's not as if we're just um christianity is too incredible we can't we just can discard it no because it has had this impact so what are we going to choose and that's where he comes on finally and i think it's um Last, just the last chapter is called Final Words, in which he addresses, it's right at the beginning, he addresses these sort of three groups, the nuns, which are people who are giving up, uh, sorry, the people who are not Christians, mm. um, an increasing number, particularly among younger people who claim have no, you know, not even a nominal or cultural Christianity. Uh, they're the duns, people who've been brought up in some sort of Christian, perhaps evangelical background, who've sort of done, um, done with it, mm. disillusioned, and then the ones who are Christians. And he says to the nuns, you know, don't leap, don't take a leap of faith because there isn't really a leap of faith. We're all trust. There's so much we're just taking on trust anyway. All the, th you know, human rights, um, yes, uh, compassion. These things we take on trust. And he says, yes, well, yes but the issue then is, um, you, you know, you 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 
you're trusting something in the end. Yes. So if you want to, so he just commends, you know, try, you know, expose yourself to Jesus, expose yourself to Jesus in the gospels, read them, go to the church where you hear him, the gospel being faithfully taught from the Bible. And, um, and then, uh, yeah, and apply that not just on the cosmic level of, you know, yes, it all makes sense for the big picture, but also on a personal level, what yes. it means for you. Mm. And then, then he talks about the duns, uh, you know, his, his last phrase here, uh, we can't survive on the memory of a tune. We need it sung to us. We, oh, yeah. We embodied, in, uh, it, it is embodied and lived out in front of us. And, and yeah, don't, don't just give up. I mean, there's so much in Christianity and our great, this great Christian tradition we have that goes ultimately rooted in the Bible itself. And don't give up on that um, just because you're offended by a few things going on in churches or in the evangelical subculture, whatever it is. And then the ones, those are Christians. And this I, I just W O N rather than. Yeah, yeah, that's it. W O N S, the ones. I'm not quite sure where that is. But he, he says, and his advice to them, and I think it's really good, is just be weird. Not in a sort right. of you know, cranky way or, you know, <laughs> sort of symbolic person mumbling down the street, yeah. but rather, you know, to be distinctive. The greatest need of the church, Glenn says, is to be distinctively uh, it, itself. Uh, this is a call of the book uh, for the church to press into its distinctive strangeness to be properly weird. And I, and it was a brilliant final paragraph. So I think, uh, I think that's really what the church needs to be. It's not accommodating the culture to mm. somehow sort of conform that we're sort of, you know, relevant and and then on the on key issues right now, sexuality issues, giving in and compromising, but actually, you know, leaning into our strangeness, our differentness, our weirdness. Yes, that we we have this supernatural gospel that changes people's lives, and it's changed the world. So, but let's keep 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 being distinct because that's mm. how that's how it, things were changed at the beginning. It's going to still apply to us today. Yes, very good. Very, yeah, very yeah. helpful indeed. I heard um, Tom Holland speak a couple of years ago and he was saying, that he, when, so he was actually asked a question, it's so ironic, asked a question by someone who would be a Christian from the audience. Um, what do you think our advice is, your advice would be to Christians now? Yeah. And he made this fascinating observation. It's very, almost exactly the same terms. Yeah. He said, you must, you must talk about your distinctives, talk about angels, talk yeah. about the stuff that makes you look strange. Yeah. He said, when I read a flyer written co-written by Buddhists and Christians on how to give up smoking, I realize yeah, you yeah, completely yeah. missed <laughs> yeah. what you actually had, which changed everything in the yeah. first place, that you've got to stand, stand on your distinctives. Yeah. And fascinating, I'm fascinated to hear the number of times you're using terminology to do with roots and branches, and, and, and inevitably we're talking, we'll be talking about flowerings, yeah. because, of course, Christianity has brought about these wonderful yeah. flowerings, and yet there's almost the, the sense it must be said, as he says in the final chapter there you must come back to the christ about whom this is in all his strangenesses yeah, yeah. because if you just aim at flowers you, they, they've got to come from a root yeah and that's and, and it's fascinating and disappointing when when an unbeliever would, would just would just say oh you christians you're just do good as we say no come on buddy we we were bad doers, but we were saved by the perfect one. Mm -hmm. And uh, would you, I don't know if you'd criticize the book for not focusing on that so much as to say he helps the church to see the flowerings of the gospel, but we must see it. The whole book only makes sense in the context of that final chapter, doesn't it? Yeah, that's right. I mean, yeah, I, I mean, there are a lot of people. I mean, Douglas Murray is an example of things he's written, books and articles, uh, where he, you know, says we're, we're going, if we lose Christianity, we lose everything. So, you know, in 
but he's not a believer. And I think there are a lot of people like that. So I just, you know, I, 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 I appreciate the fruit and I, uh, but I just can't commit myself to it. I can't quite believe it. And perhaps it's, a, there are certain, they realize in really true biblical Christianity that there are things are demanded in terms of change in behavior, in terms of sexuality, or in terms of uh, attitudes of different kinds that people just don't want to, to uh, have to conform to. You know, they, 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 you know I mean, Orthodox Christianity is demanding in what we believe and how we behave. I mean, it gives us grace uh, to do that, but um, nevertheless, we have to believe certain truths to be true, things to be true, and our lives are to be lived in a certain uh, way. And I think some people don't want to make that commitment. Yeah. I think it frightens people and, and, and so on, as well as and I, uh, Jordan Peterson's this. You know, I think he's frightened of the implications of if Jesus is really Lord. You know, it has massive implications for your life and, and, and things. And, and, mm. and so, so I think people, but we have to, you know, we can't give in at that point and say, well, just be a cultural Christian and Absolutely. keep going. You need, in the end, I mean, the, and the, the weird, the core thing about the weirdness of Christianity is that we are calling people to repent and believe to, to, to uh, and trust in Jesus, so they're saved from the wrath to come. Amen. You know? And it's it's that was the original core message yes. of the gospel that God has sent His eternal Son born of Mary to live, die, and rise again to save sinners from the eternal wrath of God. And that's, that's the core yes. message of Christianity. Yeah. Um, there's massive fruit from that personally in our families and communities and nations, but we have to keep that core message. And mm. I, it, you know, that's where Glenn gets to in the end. And I yes. think that's where we need to keep on, you know, no matter how, yeah, how much we want to help people move them along. And that's it. We're apologetics. All apologetics. We're doing cultural apologetics. That's what this book is. You know, it, it's preparing the ground. It's sort of saying, all right, here's the case, trying to persuade people. But in the end of the day, people have to repent and believe. In, yes, that's in right. Christ. And there's almost the irony when I've spoken, I've heard some of these people who seem to be friendly to Christianity. When you hear them talk about why don't you become a Christian and their reasons, you think, no, 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 you're, you're talking about very subsequent stuff. Yeah. Have you understood yeah. that what is in, you're invited to Jesus yeah. and you're invited to put your faith in him yeah. and it's very similar to you know yes christianity brought about hospitals but we're not saved by hospitals no. we're saved by jesus yeah. and then the he is so good the people who believed in him great wonderful things happen that bless whole nations yeah. but yes we've got to start with that root yeah. and that's a beautiful thing this has been so helpful thank you so much for your time on this uh, ken and if you'd like to know more about Ken Brownell. Look on the letters pages of the major newspapers <laughs> where Ken <laughs> often sends excellent <laughs> letters in and uh, listen out for uh, the podcast. And also you can come and actually have Ken as your guide around the National Gallery, the Victoria and Albert Museum, London, or you can come on one of my tours of the city or the British Museum or one of our tours of Cambridge or Oxford. Thank you very much. Thank you. For more episodes of the Christian Heritage London podcast, and for information on Christian Heritage London events, tours and walks, please go to christianheritagelondon.org.